I uh, love the idea. I, I think I, I talked not too long ago about uh, museums. Uh, you know that I like museums and, and looking at exhibits of things. And, and I told you I read, you know, every little thing. But uh, along with that, I really love the idea of a memorial. You know, a good memorial. I think when I think of the word memorial, and, and maybe you're the same way, I most often think of a, a person or, or persons. Uh, oftentimes, we pair that with the word service. We just recently had here a memorial service uh, to honor uh, the passing, the going home of our brother Rick Hess. Uh, we've done that frequently here. And oftentimes, there are other sorts of memorials. Sometimes a memorial gift is given. Uh, in somebody's name uh, that, that's passed away. Uh, there, there, <laughs> years ago, I was teaching a class, and somebody had made a real good suggestion, and so I, I referred to this new thing that we were going to do as as the the memorial. You know, I used her name, the memorial such and such, and everybody laughed. They said, "Well, she's not dead; she's alive." And I thought, "Oh, well, <laughs> I didn't mean to imply she was dead." But it is usually after someone has passed away that we have sort of a memorial uh, thing, a, a memorial event, a memorial gift. Oftentimes, it's to memorialize other things. There are memorials that, that denote places, maybe an important uh, event that happened at a place. Uh, there are memorials of uh, important battlegrounds. There are memorials of important treaties that were signed. There are memorials of all sorts of, of things that are commemorated. Uh, we like this idea of memorials. But that's certainly not something that we invented in this modern age. Uh, this is something that goes back uh, centuries and centuries. Uh, we see this in the Bible, and I wanted to take a look at this uh, today. If you want to turn with me back to uh, Genesis, we'll take a, a look at a few instances, just as some touch points. But if you look back in Genesis, the very first book in the Bible... There's a, a, a number, there are a number of instances where Jacob does this, where Jacob uh, sets up uh, uh, some sort of a, a stone. In a Genesis chapter 28, this is, I believe, the first instance of this, where Jacob has this crazy dream, and that starts in, in verse 10, Jacob left Beersheba, went toward Haran. And he came to a certain place, and he stayed there that night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head, and he laid down in that place to sleep. This always cracks me up. It would never occur to me to use a stone as a pillow. <laughs> but that just goes to show you that we are far softer than people of olden times. They used rocks as pillows. <laughs> and Jacob grabs this rock, he puts his head on it, and as he dreamed... Verse 12, behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and he said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall be all the families of the earth, shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you. I will keep you wherever you go, 
and I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I promised you. And then Jacob awoke from his sleep, and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid, and he said, How awesome is this place? There is none other. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. So early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that he had put under his head, and he set it up as a pillar, and he poured oil on top of it, and he called the name of that place Bethel. This is this instance where, where Jacob sets up a memorial. And he does this a number of other times in his life. We see other instances throughout the book of Genesis. Jacob in particular does this a few times. If you want to turn ahead to the book of Joshua, there's a favorite of mine. Just to give you, again, some more historical perspective, God blesses Jacob and his descendants just like he promised he would do. They do indeed grow into a great people. I referenced already this deliverance out of Egypt. Uh, and as, as part of that uh, deliverance, God says, I'm going to give you this place, this land. It's, it's the, the part of the land that I promised to Jacob long ago, even to Abraham before that. God has made this promise, and he takes them to the land. And despite the nation of Israel's disobedience and their rebellion, he still preserves them and brings them to this place. And finally, they're at this point where they're ready to cross the Jordan River. You look at a map now, and you see the Jordan River. And they're on the east side of the Jordan River. And it's time to cross across the Jordan River into the promised land, this place that they've been told that they would have and inherit for so long. And they cross that river miraculously in a similar fashion to the way God parted the Red Sea and allowed them to walk across on on dry land. I've said before, I think the dry land part is the best part of this miracle. You know, we think of the, the sea being parted. But I think, you know, you part the sea and what you leave is mud and, and muck. And, and the Bible says they cross on dry land. I mean, that, that's the best part of the miracle to me. Well, they dry it up so they can just walk across it. And the similar thing happens across the Jordan River now. The Bible uses this interesting imagery. It says it's like the waters piled up. They stacked up behind while the entire nation walked across the Jordan River. But one of the things that happened was that, uh, I I mean, uh, sorry, I'm in Joshua chapter 4. I didn't tell you what chapter I was in. It says, when all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, take 12 men from the people, from each tribe, one man, and command them, saying, take 12 stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. So Joshua called the 12 men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan River. Take up each of you a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you, And get this, I love this. When your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? Let's stop right there. I love that. 
I love that. God isn't suggesting that they just make a pile of stones for no reason. God knows there's going to come a time when you're walking with your kids, your grandkids, your great-grandkids, your nieces and nephews, whatever. And kids, because they're curious, are going to say, what's that for? It's not going to look natural. It may not have looked perfect, but it's going to look like somebody put it there. And somebody's going to ask you, what is that for? And God says, when they do that, verse 7, then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. There's that idea, right? Of a memorial. I love that. And, and of course, we have no way of knowing. But how many times... How many times did this exact thing play out where someone young walked by and said, hey, mom, hey, dad, hey, grandpa, grandma, whatever. What, what is this? And somebody could say, I'm so glad you asked. This is to remind us. It's a memorial. It's to remember that time when this incredible thing happened, when God delivered us into this place and he stopped up the river so that we could walk across the river. Thousands of us. It was crazy. And we walked across the river. Decades later, who knows how long later, when there was a time when people didn't even remember personally but they could say, your great, great, great grandparents were part of the people who walked. I wasn't there. But this is what we remember. This thing, this is what we memorialize. And then I want to jump forward to the book of 1 Samuel. First Samuel chapter 7. And again, historical context. I'm not going to read everything, but this is after the Israelites have been established in the land for some time. And, and one of the greatest enemies they had were the, the people of, of, of the Philistines. The Philistines were known to have these raiding parties. They were mighty militarily. They would come in and loot and pillage and kill, and, and the Israelites had a real hard time with them. And there's this whole account where they're going to go up to battle against the Philistines. And so, somewhat arrogantly, they take the Ark of the Covenant. You've seen pictures of this in Raiders of the Lost Ark, no doubt. <laughs> it's a great representation, I think. But they take the Ark of the Covenant as if it's some sort of magical item. You know, well, this way, they don't bother to go to God. They don't bother to, but they bring this sort of magical trick with them. And they say, here, we'll, we'll beat the Philistines now because of this. And instead they get routed and the Ark of the Covenant itself gets stolen by the Philistines and taken away. It's a whole thing. The nation despairs. Uh, God uh, punishes the Philistines for their possession of the Ark. The Ark comes back to Israel, but they've kind of learned a lesson. And now it's time to go up against the Philistines again. And this time, instead of arrogantly just bringing what they consider to be some kind of weird magical talisman with them, they actually go to God. <laughs> 
and they sacrifice, and they pray, and God delivers them out of the hands of their enemies. And it's in this context, after all of this happens, after this account, where in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12, it says, Samuel took a stone, and he set it up between Mizpah and Shen, and he called its name Ebenezer, for he said, till now the Lord has helped us. He called its name Ebenezer. Most of you, I think, probably have a footnote there. You've got some little marking next to that word Ebenezer to point you down to a footnote that tells you Ebenezer means stone of help. It literally means stone of help. But as Samuel sets it up, he says a little bit more than just as, you know, this is stone of help. He says, we're setting this up because till now the Lord has helped us. You know that song we sing? Come thou fount of every blessing. Maybe some of you don't. That's okay. It's kind of an older song. Come thou fount of every blessing. And at one, in one of the, the verses of the song, there are these words, here I raise my Ebenezer. <laughs> and if you're not familiar with this story, you might think, what in the world is that about? This is what it's about. This is what it's a reference to. And I apologize for those of us who don't maybe have this background, and it, they seem like really strange words. Here I raise my Ebenezer. What in the world does that mean? Well, now you know what it means. It actually does mean something. It's not about some famous guy named Ebenezer. It's certainly not about Scrooge. <laughs> it's about this. It's a reference to this really interesting occasion where Samuel, as a thanksgiving, sets up a memorial, as was so frequently done. Again, we didn't invent this in our modern age. It's something that we as the human race have often loved to do, to, to put memorials up, to memorialize these things, to remind us, to come together as a community and to say this is a thing that was important to us and we don't want to forget it, so we're going to memorialize it. But I love in this instance, he very specifically says, this stone I'm going to call Ebenezer because what we're doing is we're recognizing that up to this point, God has been our help. God has brought us to this point. And as you came in this morning, you may have been wondering what in the world the table full of bricks was for. It's not just because I, I do want to remind you, we talked uh, a little while ago, about a renovation to our gym building. Real excited about that. We have not forgotten about that. I want you to stay excited about that. But as it turns out, the process of going back and forth to architects and a design team to really get what, what we want, that takes some time. But you're going to be so thrilled. When you see these, you, you won't even believe it. You're going to say, that's our building? <laughs> but that's not what we're doing today. I promise. I'm not trying to enlist you to help us build a new building. As it turns out, we've done this before together, but if you haven't been with us, what we're going to do as a church community, 
is raise an Ebenezer together. And when I say as a church community, it doesn't matter if this is your thousandth time here or your first time here. You are here with us this morning and as the body of of Christ, as the family of God, one of the things we want to do to be thankful is to do something kind of tangible and kind of visible. We are going to raise an Ebenezer together. We're going to do it right here. And I'm not going to give you any sort of plan. You're just going to do it. And I'm going to be fascinated to see what it looks like. Some of you are going to want to take your brick and put it very carefully, squarely, and then somebody else is just going to throw something at an angle next to it. And it might drive you crazy, but don't let it. It's okay. But together, we're going to raise an Ebenezer. If you are unable to get up and and to do this, uh, maybe put your hand up. One of us will come and help you out with that. If you don't want to, that's okay. We're not going to force you. Nobody's being forced to do anything. But as Pastor Jonathan comes up, just to, to play some music while we do this, I want to invite you to come up. You don't need to be dismissed by Rose. We're just going to let this happen organically, and it's going to be beautiful. To come up, to take a brick, and think about what it is in your life that you're thankful for. We thought about even writing things on the bricks, but A, it's tough to do, and B, there's not enough time to write down that many things on a brick, right? The brick can't contain it. But think about what you, what your family is thankful for, and come and help us together raise an Ebenezer.
Here I raise my Ebenezer. Hither by thy help I've come. Amen? Hallelujah! What a good God. I uh, may get in trouble for this. Did you know next Sunday is the first Sunday of Advent? And so I may get in trouble with those who are going to uh, decorate for Christmas. But I hope maybe we can leave this here for a few weeks. Because we raised this Ebenezer together. And it's a good memorial for us. And I've said so many times, heaven forbid, we choose one day a year or, or even one week to be thankful. I think as followers of Jesus Christ, we're to be marked by being thankful all the time. We ought to be a people of thankfulness who say together constantly, here we raise our Ebenezer because God is so good and we recognize that we have come to this point by his help because of him. Hallelujah. It's so good to be with you. As we close our service, I think the band is coming back up. Yes. Uh, let's pray together though while they come up. Our Father God, it is good to build a physical memorial of thankfulness. You are our rock of help. You're just simply our rock. But God, even when there comes a time when we have to take down this physical reminder, may we always have within us as individuals, as a body, as a church family, an Ebenezer, of thanksgiving, of memorial that we always carry in our hearts the notion of your goodness, of the fact that we have come this far by your help. What a good, powerful, gracious, loving, and merciful God you are. We love you, God, and we raise our thanksgiving to you recognizing again that every good gift and every perfect gift comes from heaven above, from you, our Father of lights. And this we pray in Christ's name. Amen.